Hello, friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus, a Bible study that I believe is going to bless you, as I've said before, because it's a Bible study. It's the Word of God. You know, the Scriptures declare of themselves, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will abide forever. Praise God. And friend of mine, today we're into eternal things, uh, things that are never, ever, ever, ever going to pass away. And you know, the Bible said the world will pass away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God will never pass away. Praise God. We're going to be talking about obeying the will of God, becoming a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, after God's own heart. Becoming a man after God's own heart. And I'm excited about this broadcast today, uh, and uh, we pray that you will come along with us as we examine the Scripture and see what God says about what He is looking for in someone that He can bless and make a blessing and use to be a blessing. Praise God. Amen. In First Samuel uh, chapter 13 and verse 14, and Acts chapter 13 and verse 22. First, we're going to the Old Covenant, then to the New Covenant, to discover this man after God's own heart. I want to pray. I always pray before the broadcast, but I want to pray as we are broadcasting this Bible study here on our website today for everyone that is listening. Heavenly Father, I do pray that the Word of God will find a heart that will bring forth that precious fruit as a result of the seed being sown. A good ground heart today is what you're looking for to sow this seed in it. Seed is the word. Jesus is the sower. The Holy Spirit is here today to to sow the seed in our heart. Hallelujah. And Father, I just pray that as I speak your word from the scripture, Lord, that you will speak by your spirit to every person who is listening today, that you will bless them and make them a blessing as we seek and endeavor to become men and women, boys and girls, after God's own heart. In 1 Samuel, once again, chapter 13 and verse 14, King Saul has walked in pride, self-will, and disobedience before the Lord. And God has found a replacement for a once great and mighty king of Israel. Listen to what it says. 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. It says, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord hath commanded thee. And the man after God's own heart, if you don't know already, is clearly identified in the New Testament in Acts 13 and verse 22. It said, And when he had removed him, speaking of of King Saul, he raised up to them David to be their king, to whom he also gave their testimony. 
and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. We're getting into uh, a, a beginning of an understanding of what God saw in David that caused him to choose him and call him a man after his own heart because it's someone who will fulfill all of God's will. It doesn't mean that David was perfect. It doesn't mean that he wasn't flawed and he had some very serious flaws, failures, and fallings. But in his heart of hearts, he had a desire to fulfill the will of God and to obey the will of God in his life. Now, there's a principle here as we begin to go forward in this teaching I want to bring out. If you have a heart to obey God, God sees that heart. If you have a problem obeying God because you haven't overcome your weak flesh and you haven't understood the principles of victory yet and you find yourself having falling, failings in your life, God will help you overcome because what he's looking for is beyond your performance. He wants that wonderful, obedient life. But he starts with an obedient attitude of heart, an atmosphere of heart. And he will help you with your weak flesh. If he sees in your heart the desire to obey, he will give you grace. He will give you mercy. He will forgive you and raise you up and, and set you forth and send you forth today. I want you to get a hold of this great truth today. I want to make some statements here. David's accomplishments were many. He captured Jerusalem, making it the national capital, and reunited the nation. In a 40-year span, he controlled an empire that stretched from Egypt to Mesopotamia. A man of many talents, he was a shepherd, a poet, a musician, a warrior, and statesman and an administrator who set a standard for the later kings of Israel. His most famous accomplishment, while yet a boy and not yet a king, was to slay Goliath, the giant who defied Israel. This shepherd king, with so many accomplishments and accolades, was honored at the greatest when God said of him that he was a man after God's own heart. What God saw in David's heart, deep on the inside, caused him to choose the least likely of Jesse's sons. You see, the story of David's ascent to the crown began unceremoniously. It all started when God sent Samuel to anoint a replacement for King Saul. Saul had disqualified himself to rule. God decided on another man, this young shepherd boy, the least of the sons of Jesse. His name was David. And this is something very important. Outward appearance is secondary. You see, God directed Samuel to go to the abode of Jesse where he would anoint a king from among Jesse's sons. And Samuel did as he was told, then began to take stock of each son. 
So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab in 1 Samuel 16:6 and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And Samuel reasoned the way so many of us do. He was certain that Jesse's oldest son Eliab, with his confident bearing, height, and impressive good looks, was the one God would choose. He was looking at him on the outside. God was looking deeper for the one he would choose. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. First Samuel 16, verse 7. You see, to God, the heart of a person's innermost motivation and attitude is of utmost importance. But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word, Isaiah 66 and verse 2. You know, it, it, it says in context, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where's the house you'll build to me? What can you possibly offer me that will impress me and cause me to look favorable upon you? And, and he answers the question, one who is of a poor and contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. You see, Eliab's regal appearance didn't qualify him to become Israel's next king, but David's heart did. Hallelujah. You know, when you get close, and I, I, I have only had an occasion a couple of times to get very close to someone of what I would consider great spiritual stature. And they are not perfect people. None of us are. I like what Coach Lombardi said to his his team uh, when he he said to them to inspire them that that no one no one uh, can can be perfect no one uh, being perfect at your game being perfect at anything is impossible but he said if you pursue perfection you can catch excellence. Hallelujah. David certainly was not perfect, but he had an excellent spirit. He pursued that perfection. He got up when he fell down, repented, and continued to pursue the being perfectly obedient to God. And God honored that attitude in his heart. And because of that, God restored his soul. Hallelujah. God forgave his sin. And God continued to promote him as one of the great and mighty kings of Israel. And one thing that I have found in the study of David is David had a sincere heart. Something God saw in that innermost part of his being. Psalm 139 verse 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. 
I like one paraphrase that says, point out anything in me that offends you. David really wanted to please God, really wanted to perfectly obey God. And when he fell short, he was quick to repent. When he saw it, when he understood it, he was quick to repent so that God could restore him. What a powerful statement about the sincerity of David's heart. David wasn't a phony. He was genuine. He had many faults and committed some terrible sins in his life. But in his heart, he really desired to please God. And he was quick to repent. Our modern word for sincere is derived from the Latin meaning pure, genuine, honest, and marked by genuineness. A man after God's own heart, a woman, a boy, or a girl, must be sincere. Listen to Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11 in the New Testament. It says, In this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and the praise of God. The Greek word here for sincere means pure and unsullied, found pure when unfolded and examined by the sun's light, came to be used in the Greek language to mean sun-tested. So in the time of Paul's writing, and in the culture of his day, unscrupulous builders during the winter months would use stones with cracks in them. They would fill them with wax and whitewash them. But when the heat of the summer sun blazed upon them, the wax would melt and the crack would be revealed. When we are tested, dear friends, by trials or tossed by temptations, we discover what God already knows in our hearts. The cracks are revealed. We must not try to fill in the cracks in our character with religious pretense. I want to say that again. We should never, ever try to fill in the cracks in our character with religious pretense. You see, David was a clay vessel. Like us, David was a cracked pot. (laughs) But David's true intentions were to seek and to serve God and bring Him honor and glory. David was sincere. He was real. He was transparent. If I was speaking to mostly young people today, I'd say David wasn't fronting. He was real and genuine. When he sinned, he acknowledged it and repented. He was honest with God. And in spite of his own weakness and failures, God honored his sincerity and blessed him and honored him by calling him the man after my own heart. You see, the bad news is that we're all cracked pots. The good news is that God fills us and God uses cracked pots. 
That doesn't mean we don't stop pursuing perfection. Because if we continue to pursue perfection, because we have a heart to obey, God will help us to obey in spite of our weak, faltering, failing flesh. Amen. Listen to how this is characterized in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. It said, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus may be made manifest in our body. Treasure in clay pots. Roman soldiers on leave from military campaigns were paid with the spoils of war many times. Traveling alone to their homes was dangerous. Armed thieves preyed upon prosperous travelers. So he would go to the pottery shop and he asked to be taken out back where the cracked and broken vessels were discarded. He would pick up a very flawed vessel and put the golden goblet or the silver candlestick inside, treasure in a clay pot. And they would see this this traveler with this, this very poor, uh, flawed clay pot, and they would say, you know, there's nothing of any value. There's no need to try to rob this person, a oh, friend of mine. This is the, the picture that they saw when they said, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. Every one of us are flawed. Every one of us. Everyone without exception, there's none perfect and therefore none righteous, no, not one. But in us, Jesus has come to live. Oh, friend, what the blood of Jesus has accomplished in your behalf and mine, that in our spirit, where God looks and where God lives <laughs> along with us, when he comes in, we have this treasure, Christ in us, the very hope of glory. Hallelujah. I can't be sinlessly perfect, but I can cultivate a sincere heart that perfectly desires to serve God and obey Him. I can be sincere. We can be these kind of people. I can be authentic. I can be real, not perfect, but truly committed to follow Jesus Christ. And I can confess when I am not perfectly committed to follow Him and ask His forgiveness his grace, and His mercy to help me find my way back to that place of deep devotion to the Lord. That's really what revival accomplishes. That's what produces it, is when we are truly sincere. We want to be truly authentic, and we want to be truly committed 
to follow Jesus. And if God sees the willingness in our heart, He will help us with the weakness of our flesh. I want to say that again loud and clear. If God sees the willingness in our heart, He will help us with the weakness of our flesh. Hallelujah. He'll help us conquer the flesh. You see, inside my heart, the core of my being, the real me, that's where God is looking and that's where God begins His work within us. He always works from the inside out, not the outside in. Proverbs 4 and verse 23 talks about how vitally important keeping our heart is. It says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. One translation says, It is the wellspring of life. David knew what God was looking for and where God was looking to find it. His prayer of repentance is based not just on forgiving his sin, but cleansing his heart. Let's read about that in Psalm 51, verse 6 through 13. David says, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. In the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop. And I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Now, that is addressing the sin problem. The transgressions. Listen to David going further in verse 10. Create... In me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then... Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Hallelujah. Praise God. Then, when, when I get right with God, when I get thoroughly cleansed and forgiven my sin, then sinners will learn your ways and be converted unto you. David has been called the tender warrior, the shepherd king, the servant king. Through his lineage, a future king would come, the Messiah, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Unlike David, he never sinned. He was the perfect savior because he was the perfect sacrifice. In his divinity, he is called son of God. In his humanity, he is called Son of Man. But in his earthly lineage, he is called Son of David, a man after God's own heart. Didn't God say it of his Son? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Praise God. 
today God's challenge to us in a sick and sinking, sinning society. I started to say stinking. I might as well just stick it on in there. <laughs> it all it all starts with an S. It's a sick, sinking, stinking society. And our challenge in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation is to shine as lights in this sin-darkened world and culture by making Jesus the Lord of our life, to bow to no other God, to commit our hearts to Him in true devotion, to become men and women after God's own heart. Hallelujah. David had other attributes, but it all began with this sincerity of heart. Because David had a a seeking heart, he was quick to seek the Lord, to seek God's face. He had a servant heart. (laughs) David had a singing heart. Come before his presence with singing. And, and his, his psalms uh, are songs to be sung in the presence of the Lord and concerning the Lord. But friend of mine, above all, David had a sincere heart. Oh, that we might be authentic. That we might be genuine. That we might be real. People around us, Understand that we are not perfect, but we need to be perfectly committed to follow Christ, perfectly committed to the faith that was once delivered to the saints, and that they might see our sincerity and understand the value that we put upon the kingdom of God and the reason that we do not pursue the kingdoms of this world. And today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your personal Savior, one of the lies that Satan tells many, many people is simply, you know you can't serve God. There's no point in coming to Him. Don't be a hypocrite. You'll never make it. You can't do it. Oh, friend of mine, if you will come to Him, as the great Christian song says, just as I am, Without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bids me come to thee. O Lamb of God, I come. John's Gospel says, As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. If you will come to him like you are, repent of your sin. Receive Christ as your Savior. Your flesh will still be weak. But there will be a willingness in your spirit and God will see it. A willingness in your heart. And God will help you crucify that weak flesh. Overcome that weak flesh. And become a true follower of Jesus Christ. There's victory for you today. Don't run from Him. Run to Him, and He will embrace you, and He will never, ever let you go. If you don't walk away, if you don't run away, He will never go away. Oh, friend, come to Christ today. And if you're a Christian, 
Examine your heart. Ask God to help you. Open it up. Lay it before Him. And if you've drifted away from Him, come home. Come back. Recommit your life to Him. Oh, friend, He's worth everything and more. And come back next week and let's continue to talk about Jesus.